Welcome to Season 6 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Massachusetts. My specialty is additions and renovations to older homes. I'm especially interested in sustainable renovations and new technologies. This season, I'll be speaking with women in renovations. These women could be in construction, real estate, design. It could be homeowners with a story to tell. Each will bring her experience and advice to people who are planning a home renovation of their own. The first five seasons have covered all aspects of home renovations from foundations to roofing, sustainable renovations, DIY projects, how to hire professionals, and there are lots of home renovation stories and advice from all types of people. This week, my guest is Caitlin Parker, an architect and an old house owner, window restoration advocate, and podcaster. She practices out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and her firm is Bungalow Roots. That's also where you can find her on Instagram and TikTok. Of course, I'll have all this information in the show notes. Her home renovation podcast is called The Keeping Room. We talk a bit about that during the episode and about what her approach is as an architect specializing in old houses. Caitlin was my guest back on episode 54, where she was talking about her renovation on her own home in Tulsa. 106 episodes later, here's my conversation with Caitlin. How is your podcast going? Good. I love it. Um, I really... My co-host is fantastic. He keeps me on track. Um, <laughs> he keeps it going. He's got the energy uh, to keep it going. And it, it it's getting the information out that I've been trying to get out in blog posts. And I just can't get out of my own way and write a blog post. Yeah, it's hard um, to do. I mean, it's hard so, to take the time to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think. Yeah. So it's really fun to... And Jake is a former, well, he's a client. He's technically currently a client, but he's a friend. He's an old house lover. And he's just like a lot of fun to talk to. And it, we found ourselves through our client relationship or, you know, client architect relationship talking all of the time. So I'd be like there for three hours. I'm like, I'm only going to bill you for an hour because we were just chatting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I'm really excited. We just recorded a DIY one. That's coming out in June. How did you two decide you were going to make a podcast? So I'd kind of been kicking the idea of a podcast around. Um, and finally, Jake and I, he came over to help me sand the floors in my kitchen because this is apparently the client relationship. We have. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to test out the sander because he just bought this new old house to him and he was thinking about refinishing the floors himself so i was like well i've got a sander come play with this one and we're sitting on the floor sanding and i'm like do you want to start a podcast with me <laughs> he's like yeah let's do it <laughs> oh that's sweet so you know we kicked around the idea of like what it would be for a couple of months and like came up with a season like list of what we wanted it to be and kind of big ideas and Planned out the shows and we do one a month, which is a really good schedule for me. And he does the editing for me, which is really great because um, more often than not, I'm the one who's off topic. So <laughs> Jake's pretty good at keeping me on track and then also, you know, editing it after the fact. And he's, you know, he comes from the perspective of being dangerous enough to know what he's doing, but like having interest in it and being able to ask good questions and get me out of my head of I feel like you because sometimes you you forget the things that you that you know that other people don't know <laughs> right right yeah it seems obvious because you know it so right like I know that why doesn't everyone know that so 
All right, what's your overall goal for your podcast? I mean, the goal is really just in lieu of a blog. So we we just want to get the information out there. We usually talk about stuff in the realm of old houses because most of what I do, client work and, you know, outside of that is old house stuff. But we do sometimes bring in some practical for like if you're building a new house or, you know, doing a renovation, a not necessarily old house. It's really just talking about the realm of houses and the the goal, the overall goal and why we called it the keeping room is to talk about things that are prevalent in old houses that people have forgotten about, like mm-hmm. keeping like rooms, a keeping room that we might want to bring back or apply to new residential architecture um, mm-hmm. or, you know, bring back into your home. Things that you might not know about that you want to appreciate. You, you know, know what? Plaster. I'd love to see come back. I would love to see little telephone rooms come back. Those are my favorite. <laughs> I was talking to someone about those recently, but I love them. How you could just go in there and that's where you talk on the phone. That's where you doodle on the desk blotter. Yeah. Write numbers on the wall that are important. I, I like mean, those. honestly, you could record podcasts and phone rooms. Oh, I feel like that would be yeah, a thing. I forgot about that. That would be perfect. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I don't have the era house that would have a phone room, but. No, I I don't either. I don't know space for one, but. It, Maybe that should make Maybe. a comeback. Maybe. Also, I wouldn't have to go talk to my clients in the bedroom <laughs> when he's on a phone call. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, when you're in a co-working space and they have those little private phone booths, actually. It's just yeah. like that. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad idea. Another thing yeah. that was posted recently to our architecture group was uh, this new idea of a package delivery area. Yes. And I said, isn't that a vestibule? I mean... Right. That's kind of an old idea that's coming back. It kind of is. A, it kind of is an old. Well, they're branding it for package delivery. Basically, you give the key to the Amazon driver so he can lock the packages in and, mm. you know, whatever. But yeah, I guess it is basically a vestibule. <laughs> what is a keeping room in case people don't know? It's really just a room that's kind of adjacent to kind of off the kitchen. That's just like a place to sit and it's it's like a mini living room almost yeah. or yeah. family room. Where people had babies. People had babies in the keeping rooms. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. When I mean, I was that's a, possible. When I was a docent, um, when I was a docent back in the Nantucket Mariah Mitchell Association homestead. Yeah, that's what we <laughs> said, I think. You know, when someone was sick, it was like the sick room and people were dying when they were dead, when they were having a baby. <laughs> I guess I didn't read into that much. I mean, I've seen it as just like soft seating off of the kitchen. So it's just a hangout space off the kitchen. But that's kind of more what it's 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 becoming. People are not necessarily having babies in there. Right. That that was the old use. Not the not the soft seating now. Right. Right. That's it's um, it's really just like the space off the kitchen where you live your life kind of a thing. Oh, okay, Interesting. I have to think about Um, that one. One thing I did want to talk to you about today was mm -hmm. being an architect who specializes in old houses. I mean, you and I have a lot in common, actually, because we both do that. We both have this Mm -hmm. home renovation type podcast, which, you know, I started as being a library of information for clients and feel like I have completed that assignment. And yet I continue. (laughs) And you continue. I continue on. So you and I both are interested in old houses, primarily. A lot of our projects are old houses. What is your experience like? What's it like to work with you on old houses? Part of the specialty of old houses is knowing that you're going to run into some really 
not normal things. Like you're going to run into walls that are not square, like super not square. You're gonna, oh, yeah. We've been we've been replacing doors in my house and that's been a whole rigmarole because like you'd think it would be easy. You just take the door out and put a new door in. But like nothing is square. So it's the question is, do you cut the door? Do you, re, you know, fix the trim? Like and then we ran into so in the hallway. I have a door that has a transom. We were going to just shift the transom bar to mm-hmm. like square the door up. But the way the transom bar is attached to the jam, like it's mortised in, like you can't shift it. So <laughs> like knowing, knowing that you're going to run into some crazy things and being able to troubleshoot those issues. Also being really sensitive to kind of the era of the home, being respectful of some of those things that are in the home, knowing what's worth saving and what's maybe not worth saving. Like, Things that are knowing the value of old wavy glass or knowing the value of plaster. Some people are like, ah, just bust the plaster out. But plaster actually has like a really good value and use. And like sometimes it's worth saving if you can manage to find someone to help you do that. Um, And kind of knowing the tricks of old houses and how to make them a little bit more livable. Mm hmm for modern times so and i do a lot of work with my clients at the beginning i call it the discovery phase where we really talk about how they live in the house like how they live as opposed to like what they want like oh we need another bedroom like why do you need another bedroom (laughs) Mm -hmm. tell me the why like we have you know another kid on the way and whatever or we have people come over all the time or we just think we need another bedroom well that's that's where I get you. Like, why do you think you need one? So, um, yeah, we spend a lot of time doing that before we really get into the design work. And then I also use a quick scanning tool to scan the existing conditions so that I get like preliminary plans that don't cost a lot of money so we can do some of that like schematic design before we spend a lot of time getting like really detailed existing condition drawings. So in some ways, it's it's the same conversation you would have being any kind of architect with a homeowner who is altering their house, basically. Pretty pretty much. Um, yeah. It really is. Like, there's some things you know, people will come in and say they want to replace their windows, and I'll explain why they might not. Or, you know, it's more about just being sensitive to the old house nature of things, really. But yeah, it's, it's the same for anyone who's doing renovations. I have a couple projects that are like mid-century moderns. So, like, I'm working in that era, um, Mm -hmm. knowing what those houses are like, like all that stuff. Well, they can still be strangely detailed also. I mean, they're not (laughs) they're not exempt from that. But what do you do if and when your client wants to do something you totally disagree with with a house? (sighs) Um, I try and dissuade them Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as I can. Uh, I have been lucky in that the clients that I have gotten are generally on board with you know, what I preach basically, which is part of why I do the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want people hiring me that don't ascribe to the way I think about things. Like I, you know, if they're going to come in and they want to turn a craftsman into a soulless modern house, I'm, I'm just going to say, no, you need to find (laughs) someone else to do that. Yeah. Um, And usually I think we come to some kind of agreement, but I have not had anyone push me to the point where I just have to put my foot down and say, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> thankfully I have not had that conflict. Um, 
more often than not, it's a contractor that's done something dumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And the contractor, let's say plaster is a good example. And I'm going through this in my own house where I'm trying to leave the original plaster. Ugh. And um, I am the homeowner also, you know, one of the architects working on the project. So when they talk to me, they say, this is ugly. This plaster is ugly. Why would you want to keep it? And if I were just the client, I think, oh, maybe it is ugly. Like, you know what? I'm just going to live with this because I'm not replacing. I'm not taking out all the plaster of my whole house and making the whole thing new. But I mean, why would I do that? This is not even like the whole wall is not even 90 degrees to the floor. So, I mean, what? <laughs> where do you stop with that? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that is that is a thing that you start pulling that thread of taking the plaster out and now all your window casing doesn't line up because if you take out the plaster and laugh, you've lost three quarters of an inch and then some <laughs> where like sheetrock is half an inch. So you have to like either leave the lath on the studs, which is that's how a lot of my house is. Unfortunately, my house doesn't have plaster in most of it. It only has it in the hallway. And if I if I had it to do again, like if I could go back in time to the 80s, I'd tell them not to touch the plaster. <laughs> but, yeah. So what is it instead? Is it drywall? Yeah, it's drywall. And that's what they did. They they put drywall on top of lath on the studs. So my walls are a little bit extra thick. But it's also like the drywall job in here is terrible. So someday if I have time and money, I will tear all the drywall off and go back with something else. I might do plaster. I might do some combination of like MGO board with a plaster finish on it. Or, you know, I don't like what sheetrock does on an exterior wall, especially in an old house, because there's very little like vapor control in my house. Mm. So it's kind of knowing, knowing that the wall leaks from the outside a lot, water and vapor you know, how to deal with that. You don't want to put blown in insulation in an old house wall. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because that's what somebody wants to do here at our house. Oh. And I, I feel like that's a, it's going to be kind of, I don't know about that. I don't think that seems like the best idea, right? I mean, you add the blown in insulation into this wall that's been functioning as it's been functioning for 200 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not, if you're not, Dealing with the exterior water management, right? Like there's the perfect wall, which involves very intense vapor and moisture barriers on the exterior, the interior, whatever. But if you can't touch the exterior, if you just have siding over 100 year old tar paper over three quarter inch, you know, diagonal mm -hmm. sheathing, like you can't change that unless you pull all the siding off. What right. do you do? And basically, you, the antenna is you leave the wall vapor open. So you got to use an insulation that can do that. And I always recommend rock wool. That's that is my go to because mold doesn't eat it. It's still vapor open and it doesn't crush like you can get it wet. It's not going to hurt it. And it's fireproof. So <laughs> fireproof is good. But then you can't blow in rock wool, can you or can you? No, you can't. So either you have to choose one side or the other that you take apart. That's the problem. That is the problem. Like you have to choose if you're going to pull the inside out, or you're going to pull the outside out if you want to insulate, but you know, or yeah. just don't insulate. That may be the way we're going. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh yeah. So there are issues like <laughs> issues like this, that if you're not going to be residing your whole house, because we have clabbered on the outside of the house that is old, yeah. you know, and I, it has a lot of character at this point. So putting new stuff next to the old stuff, it's very obvious. And again, might have been right. the same guy told me it was ugly. 
the old stuff was ugly. Oh, was that was a building ugly. inspector. Why would you want that? Yeah, it was a building inspector. He was pointing out how ugly various parts of my house were. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's why I live here, right? Because I like an old right. house. But he obviously is not an old house person. And it's perfectly fine. I mean, I think vinyl siding is horrible. So <laughs> like, I know. So there. We all have our, <laughs> we all have our preferences. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you take the siding off, it's really hard to figure out how to go ahead and do that. And I don't want to take all the well, siding off because I won't put it back on. It'll just be all new. Or maybe I should do that. Well, I mean, you get more bang for your buck dealing with air leaks on walls because you lose. OK, so where you're losing your heat is your attic. Insulate your attic mm-hmm. and make sure that your sill plate isn't, you know, that you aren't getting a bunch of air leakage through those walls. Like insulation in a wall, it's it's not as essential. Like you want to stop the air leakage. Mm. And then you want the heat to not escape through the attic. So yeah. you can insulate the attic and you don't have to destroy things to do that. Do that. Yeah. Just <laughs> deal with your leaking windows, maybe. Yeah. And the basement. You were talking on your podcast about young people who are young people. Those young people who are buying. Those young people. <laughs> or who are buying the cheap old houses. Oh, yeah. And it is so tempting because now that we can all work, not all of us, but we can generally work more easily remotely. So we, in theory, could live anywhere. So when you see that beautiful old Queen Anne that's in the middle of somewhere, like (laughs) wherever it is. The middle of nowhere, basically. I wasn't going to say nowhere because, you know, (laughs) uh, it's the middle of very, very far away. Cheap old houses are in rural towns, which is good because we need to bring life back to some of that rural America and you know, bring back some of that economy to those um, places. Yeah, I think that young people get into that. And I did it too. Like, we all get into the old house not knowing what we're getting into. (laughs) Yes, I also did it as a young person. But now I'm not as young and I'm on my third house. So I still am learning a lot, you know. Plus, that's my job. (laughs) Plus, that's my job, that part. But yeah, when you have it, when it's your own house, you throw a little bit more caution to the wind. I at least I do. Where I feel like I could probably do this, where I wouldn't advise my client to do whatever it was. Yeah, I think there's that. I mean, I do I do call myself a DIY enabler because I very often, at least in my client questionnaire, I'm like, do you intend to do any of this work yourself? Because I do have people that do. I have a really fantastic client. She's done so much work herself. She taught herself how to do terrazzo like Mm. She's doing some of that artisan trade stuff that we just don't have. And that has been the case with, especially in those rural places, like you get into a cheap old house in a rural place. There's probably no one to call to work on your plaster if you want to repair it. So you need to learn how to do it yourself. And it's a skill like it is a skilled trade, but it's not like it takes it is physically difficult work. Yeah, it does take like skill, but it's not like super like. It's not head stuff. It's not brain stuff. Yeah. Well, now don't ask me to do any carpentry because I'm terrible at that and I can't do it, which is why I had guys installing doors for me because I know that I'm not ever going to cut that straight and perfect. <laughs> well, it's not supposed to be straight and perfect, Caitlin. It's supposed to be, well, whatever it is, right? <laughs> I know that I'm not going to be able to figure out how to fix the fact that the jam is off. And yeah, you know, yeah, I'm there's a lot. Let them do that. <laughs> Yeah, that's why it's really, to me, it seems like a good idea to, I found this carpenter who's really good with old houses and the mm-hmm. the big question marks around even taking up a floor at some point and then oh, seeing, oh, well, there are no, there are no joists on, in this whole area or this is a gas line. <laughs> is this gas line? What's this gas line doing here? 
<laughs> stuff like that. You just find really weird things. Yeah. I guess you're my first guest of season six, which I'm I'm looking at as women in construction or women in renovation. Okay. And, you know, so uh, some people have different thoughts about that. So I just thought I'd ask. I'm always surprised in my mind. It's not an issue. So when it comes, when I come up against things that are an issue, it surprises me. I just I can't. I mean, I don't see it as an issue. Women in trades is trickier. Uh, but I think that women in the preservation trades is more prevalent because I think that we have a focus and attention to detail that some of those guys don't necessarily have. Um, and sometimes preservation trades is less physically demanding and more, you know, mentally demanding. It's just labor intensive. So it's more time and labor than mm-hmm. some other kinds of trades. Like I'm not, I'm not out there trying to pour concrete. That's not a trade I want to get into, <laughs> but it's no. like I could see myself potentially quitting architecture to go restore windows. Like that's a thing that I could get behind doing, um, you know, kind of a thing. So I, I get it. You know, I think that women are, you know, women in architecture that's starting to even out, but I think also there's still that missing middle. People leave the, leave the profession to restore um, windows. You know, well, I think they leave the profession to have kids or, you know, more often than not, like the nine to five can wear on you, especially in the architecture world where it's not nine to five. It's like nine to nine sometimes. Like mm-hmm. it's hard for you to have a life outside of it, especially as a young architect. Um, or as an I old that, one, I will confirm <laughs> that it's hard to. Or an old one. I think that people are starting to break that mold and... Um, you know, that's why I started my own practice is so that I could set my hours and, you know, choose my clients and, uh, work from home. Cause I really wanted to work from home. Uh, COVID definitely showed me that, that I do so much better when I'm just in my own environment and I don't have to deal with traffic and like get distracted with that. And then like figure out where I'm going to go to eat lunch. Like I just yeah, walk exactly. to the kitchen and make myself lunch. Like, I think that life is fantastic. I think some people, it drives them nuts, but. Yeah, no, um, I'm with no. you. I I'd love rather, that. I'd rather spend, you know, the majority of my time with the people I like, my husband and my cats, than the majority of my time at the office. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and for us as architects, it's kind of interesting to see all of this um, spending more time in the home and how people are deciding to use their home now that they're home yeah. all the time. Yeah, so that's been kind of fun to see because, uh, like you were saying at the very beginning, this is a place where we live, and how do you live? Yeah. How do you live? And and making people have the opportunity to make a house for themselves that really suits the way that they live, you know, yes. which is why I don't love it when people are wondering what what do, what do the people like, like the, the resale value? What do, what do people What's like? Like, who value? is even going to buy your house? First of all, who's buying it? You don't even know. <laughs> they might tear the whole well, thing I mean, down. And that is definitely a thing I tell people, like, do what makes you happy. Like, obviously, there's some. <laughs> I will advise people like if if that will never sell like you know if they do something they want to do something crazy I don't know I can't even think of an example now because usually people are pretty like we're all kind of the same that's true <laughs> like if you want to paint your bedroom purple paint it purple it's just paint like right right <laughs> that's just paint you can paint it before you go yeah Other- you paint it before you go or they can you know get around it and paint it when they move in <laughs> like 
Yeah. We bought this house with every wall having wallpaper that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. You just need to find a, a young person who's willing to take it on. That's well, that's what you're going to yeah. have to look for. Speaking of your house, I can't, I'll have to look up and see what number it was, but you were on my podcast a while ago, probably a couple of years ago. So if anyone's interested, they could just look up your old episode about your, your own house journey. Yeah. How else can people get in touch with you? You, I know you have a big following on TikTok. What's going on there? Is it? Is <laughs> I it, do not. Yeah, no, one, do. no one follows me. On, well, I, I have a following on TikTok, but I never post on TikTok anymore. I, the last few videos I posted, like 200 people saw. So <laughs> That's a lot of people. They would not fit in your office. Okay, I don't then. know. The algorithm doesn't like me lately. So well, the algorithm. Um, most of what happens is on Instagram. Um, you know, I don't have a huge following on Instagram, but that's where I post more often than not. And people can find me on my website, bungalowroots.com. Your bung- um, bungalow roots also on Instagram and TikTok, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you had kind of a viral saga about your stove. Yes. Which you can- and I have I have a video I have yet to edit putting it back together. Um, oh. Yeah. They, they they brought it back. They took it away to restore it and it is back and it is lovely. I just haven't done that final video. Wow. It came back. Look how beautiful. Yeah, it's been. I love that stove. It's a fantastic 70 year old range. And I think that's honestly why most people on TikTok followed me was that thing. And that I haven't like if I post anything that isn't the stove, it doesn't do very well. So that's been none of the videos. You get to be the it's, stove lady. Yeah, I didn't really choose that niche. That wasn't what I was intending. <laughs> that would seem very, very specific. Yeah. Antique, antique working kitchen range. Yeah. One of the one of the most prevalent comments that I got, which was funny to me, was that everyone thought it was a miniature. Like, is that a real range? Like, yes, it's a real range. <laughs> like, it's it's life size. You can use it. Yeah. Well, it is so, very cute. So it looks like it might be a toy. It is quite cute. So yeah. what would you want people to know, generally speaking? Obviously, they should listen to your podcast and they will find out all about what you think. Yeah. Check out the Keeping Room podcast. We're on all of the other podcasts and, you know, listen to Jake and I chat for an hour, usually. I I guess, you know, that I'm in Oklahoma, Tulsa. If you have an old house around here and you want to talk about it, I'd be happy to do that. Well, I think one of the big things that I would think that you would want people to know is that they can fix their old windows. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I'm always going to fight for old windows. You can fix your old windows. Me too. And, you know, if they've been there for 100 years, do a little work and they're going to be there for a hu- another 100 years. You know, if they're leaky, get a storm window. Right. Storm windows do a lot, uh, you know, fix a lot of things. And I mean, who wouldn't want wavy glass? If somebody wanted a consultation, would you... Do you offer that for around yeah. the country or only? I'm actually, um, and I need to get around to putting on the website. I, I'm starting to offer virtual consultations. Um, I call them house calls. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, it's too bad we're recording this because otherwise I could steal that from you. But now it would be painfully <laughs> obvious. Catherine, you can call yours house calls too. It's fine. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> I also do like local ones where it's, it's just a like small fee. But I think I do 400 for the virtual and you get an hour to an hour and a half Zoom call. And then I take an hour office time after the back to either do a sketch or send you like a summary of what we talked about. And you can just kind of talk to me about anything like 
hey, I've got this design problem I'm trying to solve. What do you think about it? Bounce off of it. And I also do those locally where I will go out and kind of do the same thing, except that if it's local, I can actually visit the space and like, yeah, see it. And I do the same thing. I do hour, hour and a half on site and then an hour office time to do a sketch or something after that. So yeah, once I finally get those up on the website, you will be able to schedule through the website and, um, you know, house calls. Well, good luck with everything. Thank you. If I'm still doing this, I'll check in with you in a couple of years. I'll see what else is brewing. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be able to do this without you, the listener. I invite you to join me on Instagram at Talking Home Renovations, where we are building up a friendly community. Other ways to get in touch are in the show notes, including the weekly newsletter that includes photos from the episodes. It's kind of worth signing up for that. Talking Home Renovations with Alice Maven is proud to be a member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. If you're into architecture, check out what the network has to offer at gablemedia.com. That is G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Until next time, take it easy.